Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, powered by Wildfire Radio. Where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? I'm BJ. And my name's Me Too. And this week we're checking out the new Netflix series, The Umbrella Academy. So stay tuned to the end to see if BJ and I grew up in a cult. We don't talk about that. Just watch Scientology in the Aftermath on A&E. It's the best show on television. Okay, Beej, can you give our listeners a brief summary of the show and your impressions of Umbrella Academy? Sure. So The Umbrella Academy is actually based on on a comic book series. And it basically involves a group of children who were born under mysterious circumstances, and they were brought together by a very wealthy man with mysterious intentions. Well, they were purchased. They were purchased by this man. He used his resources to collect them. They all have mysterious powers. And then we fast forward to the present day where their wealthy benefactor slash father has passed away. And now they're coming together, dealing with their dysfunctional family dynamics. They also have this looming threat that they need to address and figure out what they're going to deal with. And, you know, it's a lot of family dynamics with being superheroes. How did you like it? I thought it was pretty fun. There wasn't as much action as as I would like in this type of series since they have superpowers and we get hints of them saving people and saving the day as children, but not anymore as adults, which is a little disappointing. Except for Diego. Number two is still a vigilante. Yes. A la the arrow on the CW. He's a vigilante beating up people and stabbing them to save lives, which that's fine. I don't watch the arrow anymore. So maybe that's why it didn't really appeal or resonate. I'll never watch watch The Arrow because the star of that show, whatever his name is, said bad things about Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. I didn't know that. You know what? We don't have to get into this, but I don't know how you have a negative opinion of Beyonce. You can not be a fan of pop music or R&B, but I don't know how you can actively dislike her. He was at Coachella and he was like, I rushed home to not see Beyonce, essentially. That's aggressive. That's aggressive, right? I don't feel that way about most artists. Even ones I don't listen to, I'm not like running across the room to switch the radio radio station or my shuffle to make sure I don't hear them. Anyways, I really liked the setup and seeing their relationships. I think they do a good job of portraying the sibling relationship and having this history together, having grown apart. And so because of the acting and the idea that we'll see more superpowers, I'm drawn in. What were your initial impressions? I liked it. Full disclosure for our listeners, I knew nothing about this show. BJ just suggested it for us to watch, and I made him promise it wasn't a horror, which is where I draw the line. And as long as it's not that, I'll watch anything. I didn't have high expectations. I thought it wouldn't be a show for me. I don't tend to watch comic shows that much, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Arrow, as we talked about, for other Beyonce-related reasons or Flash or any of them. And I liked it. I actually like that the pilot focused on the sibling relationships because I think one thing that a lot of superhero movies and shows miss out on is the fact that these people probably have the ill PTSD and long lasting symptoms and issues from the stuff that they witness and cause and deal with. So it was cool to see how that leaked into their sibling dynamics, their family relationships, their feelings about themselves. And I'm a sucker for any of those indie movies where someone dies and a band of siblings comes back home and they relive high school and they get drunk one night and resolve all their problems. And then another conflict happens. But by the end of the movie, they love each other again. So it just felt like one of those indie movies. Do you think they'll have a happy ending? 
maybe by the end of the whole series, if it's going to get more seasons than this first one. But I think we'll have teases of them. I bet maybe three or four siblings at a time will get along. Every few episodes, one of them will learn to forgive another. Mm -hmm. Or I bet there's going to be periods of harmony and then something happens and someone mistrusts someone else. Because to get back to the plot of the show, this is a billionaire who purchased seven people, every one of their mothers of these 43 kids. And we don't know what happened to the other 36 kids. Correct. All of their moms weren't pregnant the day prior. And then that morning through 12 p.m. went through a full human gestation period compressed into four hours, which is the manifestation of all of my nightmares. And this happened to all 43 women at the same time on the same day. So after all of those moms had the babies at the same time, some eccentric dude bought them and then raised them to develop their powers, except for number seven, Vanya, aka Ellen Page. And so because they never got to be true siblings, when they have to reach those places of harmony or when they reach those places of conflict, I don't think it comes from a normal family dynamic. True. Which is why I think they all mistrust each other. For example, if I'm mad at my brother or even with you, you feel like family. I know that everything we're doing comes from a place of love. Well, not always with you. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it comes from a place of love. So even if I'm mad about something or I don't understand why something is happening, I base level trust your intent. And I don't think these people grew up together in a way that fosters trusting each other's intent. Oh, that's sad. I do think we get hints of that mistrust, especially because Ellen Page's character is the outcast sibling, Mm -hmm. the one that they all have a problem with because she wrote an autobiography that talked about their childhood and put out family secrets that they would probably want to keep secret. (laughs) But I think another strong aspect to why they might not have typical sibling relationships is that their father, Sir Reginald, also never gave them names and had like a robot mother for them. So they didn't even have just a normal childhood. They were named by a robot and they built unhealthy family dynamics. And this is the first thing I want to talk about. I think it fostered a weird relationship between number one, Luther, and number three, Allison. Yeah. I think they're attracted to each other. Is that what this show is teasing? I picked up on that as well, that there seemed to be some tension in the air between them, which, yes, they aren't biologically related, so it is fine for many reasons, but they do have the same adoptive father and they were born on the same day under mysterious circumstances so they also have this other almost biological connection and they could in theory be related from that exactly they could have the same father we don't actually know who their genetic father is Mm -hmm. how did you feel about the rest of the sibling dynamics i really liked number four the drug addict sibling he's this quirky one that doesn't care or respect any of his siblings and is doing his own thing i like that he seems to be the one that is most aware that all of this is messed up yes he is like this is bad we're in a sucky situation he was a horrible father i'm not trying to sugarcoat it or forgive this dude and he's not diego 
number two is clearly still angry at his father and Klaus maybe he is still angry at his father Klaus is number four it just seems like he's aware of this like this is all messed up I'm gonna sit on this couch and have a drink y'all do whatever y'all need to do to work through your dabda yeah he's like we can't change this man who called himself our dad Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just chill in this mansion for a little while see what stuff he might have yeah I'm gonna lift some gold I'm gonna get an early jump on this inheritance Mm -hmm. and I'll catch y'all at the next funeral when this robot's battery dies or when this ape goes out. Can we talk about the ape, actually? What's the story there? Sir Reginald has an assistant who is a chimpanzee who can talk, has human-level intelligence. Supposedly, Sir Reginald, in his own research and business endeavors, dabbled in increasing the intelligence of chimpanzees, according to the comics. Mm -hmm. So that must translate to this show. So we have Pogo. Unfortunately, he acts more like a butler type of character. And he calls Sir Reginald master. But he's like, he's my master and my friend. But we were like, no. To say that Sir Reginald was also his friend when he did not feel that way about him. No. Felt really uncomfortable. Because he wasn't just intelligent. He was feeling as well. Yeah. Same range of feelings as we do Mm -hmm. or are capable of. I don't know what feelings Me Too has. (laughs) I feel pretty fine right now. Thank you. But that was interesting. Another interesting thing that goes back to the traumatizing aspect of their childhood. Yes. They lost two siblings. So number six died, I think, during one of their superhero escapades. And then number five disappeared. For nearly two decades. And then comes back. But still, they didn't know what happened to him, which is very scary, even if they aren't that close to have someone you grew up with just go poof with no explanation. Okay, me too. It's time to pay the bills. For our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible. So what are you listening to this week? This week, I'm listening to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. I have always read and listened to books about apartheid from adults' perspectives, especially having parents from East Africa. It was a very big deal in my home to read Long Walk to Freedom and other books on apartheid. But I've never heard a child's perspective about apartheid. And since Trevor Noah grew up in that environment, it's just fascinating to listen to. And it's also surprisingly funny and warm. And I would just strongly recommend it. You can find Trevor's audiobook and other audiobooks at audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get a free 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their unmatched selection of audio programs, and pick a title to download free and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. Happy listening. And now back to our show. Okay, so this goes into that a little bit. Okay. Can you give our listeners a quick breakdown on everyone's powers. And I'm curious which you would want. Sure. There are multiple that I would potentially accept if I had a choice. So we'll start with number seven, Ellen Page. She has no superpowers. I wouldn't want that. Okay. You want some sort of powers. If I were a sibling in a home of people who all have powers or my adoptive father maybe has powers, we don't know, but definitely is this eccentric billionaire who is extremely intelligent, then I would want to quickly carve out my niche to figure out how to get ahead. Right. You would want to be special. Yes. If I have siblings who can do all these wild things and I can't do anything, I would almost feel defenseless because I don't think they really feel bonded to each other. So I would literally be scared to sleep in that house if I thought I had no defenses. True. It's another level of her being the outcast sibling. Yes. She doesn't have a tattoo like her siblings. 
That was weird. The father had all the kids get tattoos except for her because he said she wasn't special. He had them branded with ink. So we've only talked about (laughs) number seven, Vanya. Number six, Ben, who actually passed away. He can turn into a monster, this giant creature, very deadly. We don't know too much about him since he did die, but he doesn't seem to like using his powers. So I personally, I'm just going to take that to mean I don't want that superpower either. Agreed. And then we have number five, probably my favorite character and probably superpower as well. He can travel through time and space. So we see him teleporting through space around a room, but then he appears again after being gone for like 20-ish years because he traveled to the future. And his dad warned him that traveling through time is dangerous. And he even said it's very difficult. But I'd like the option, although he's not sure if he can change the future. So I don't really know if I just want to see it, but then not be able to make it better if I don't like what I see. It's like that question of, do you want to know the day that you die? I wouldn't. Because if I can't change it. Yeah, I can't change it. But especially if I don't know the cause, I can't avoid stares or something like on Russian Doll. And I can't not get cancer or something. So I don't know how you affect it. And knowing could be what actually leads to your death. Yes. Let me tell you a show that respected time and space as something not to be fooled with. That's so Raven. Because whenever (laughs) she looked into the future, and saw something she tried to manifest it or avoid it yeah it always ended up happening anyway because you can't change the future she's just predicting the future and more often than not it would happen in a way that was not beneficial to her because she did all that stuff leading up to it so i just feel like i wouldn't want number five's power of of being able to manipulate space and time because i would just be too scared I wouldn't. Too scared to be in the wrong time, in the right body. I don't know. That's a good point. So he is still in his 13-year-old body, which I believe is when he went missing. But mentally, he's 58 is what he said. Yeah. So he lived out a full adult life in the future. Yes. And so when he came back, he's in a different body, but his consciousness, all his memories are of those decades that he lived out by himself. Not something I want. But that would be a great way to extend your life. Live out a couple decades and then come back and start over in your fresh 20s again. Not to get too deep, but isn't life about the relationships that you make? So You can make more. It's not quality, it's quantity. And that's the lesson for today. Okay. Number four. Yes. He can talk to dead people. No, thank you. Yeah, that could end poorly and be also traumatizing, which is why he is often high off of substances. Yeah, I totally get why he's high all the time because apparently when he's sober is when dead people appear. And I wouldn't want to just be walking around and I'm confronted with some stranger's ghost. And more painfully, I also wouldn't want to be just chilling at my home on a weeknight trying to watch Modern Family and all of a sudden some family member whom I really care about or something pops up. Yeah, although it was a little sad that he was trying to talk to his dad, but it wasn't working because he was high. That was really sad. But I still wouldn't want that power. Nope, hard pass. Number three, this one's interesting. So Allison has the ability to manipulate reality by lying, which is sadly probably why she is a celebrity. Yes. And probably why her marriage ended. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I would follow the same path as her. I know you would. Manipulate my way to the top. 
that's the only power that is interesting to me because I would walk up to billionaires and I'd be like, maybe just pay some taxes sometimes. I would just try to affect change that way or even just in my own environment. Do you remember that article that cited a story about women in the Obama White House? They had to do basically signal boosting for each other. So in meetings of women and men in Obama's White House, the women would suggest an idea and then they noticed that it would be ignored. Later on, a man would say the same thing. And then people would be like, all right, Jim, that was great. In order to combat that, they made a pact with each other. And in meetings, a woman would say an idea. And then another woman would be like, okay, did y'all hear Angie's idea? That was great. And then if they get away from it too long, a third woman would be like, okay, but Angie's idea was this. So just making sure we're keeping that in mind as we are clearly talking about her idea, but not crediting her. And so I would try to use my power of suggestion in everyday environments like that. I would just whisper at the start of a meeting, let's make sure this is an equitable situation. Or I would yell down the street before I walk to the metro. (laughs) No cat calling, please. (laughs) What we'd really need to do, we just need to save up some money uh-huh. buy some kids a super bowl ad oh yeah a kid well i thought you meant like super kids <laughs> no i, <laughs> I meant buy a psa time slot uh-huh. and just put out a commercial where you can manipulate the world yes if you and i both had the power i know you would use it for your own gain oh i'd be all over the radio yeah oh if you had like a viral song if i teamed up with like cardi b smart and i'm just whispering on her track you would have the money and to keep your secret you would buy me that ad time and then i could whisper you know stop being the worst everyone then that would stop me oh you would have to (laughs) plug your ears or something i don't think it works if you don't hear it correct i think you have to hear the lie yeah so you'll just have to be somewhere else and then on the moon i'll be like everybody stop being the worst just be good except for me i can be bad or be decent not even good decent reasonable except for you you'll keep pillaging i'm glad we have an agreement yeah i think this relationship will work all right beach yes number two he has two superpowers that's cool He has enhanced breath holding abilities and he is gifted at knife throwing. So if you swim a lot and do some knife throwing competitions, hit that bullseye, those powers would be useful. I guess of all the powers, number one and number two, maybe if I didn't have access to number three, the power of suggestion. Yeah, they're not as high concept. So number one has super strength. He was given a serum by Sir Reginald. It gave him the body of what they're calling a Martian ape, which means he has very disproportionate muscular features. It looks like if you put a thumb on the rock's body and just drew a little face on that thumb and said that was his head. Those are the proportions of his body. Yeah, he has the arms and torso of the rock, but the legs and the head of just a normal guy super normal person and it doesn't help i was telling you this his outfits exaggerate these odd proportions and so it just makes it stand out more to the point where every time he came on the screen you started laughing yeah it was comical because in bojack horseman there's a character on the show that's just three kids stacked on top of each other in a business coat and (laughs) he looks like that he looks like kids being like hello adults we would like one ticket to a rated r movie that we adults watch and beer just 
what they, that's what he looks like to me. It's the least flattering outfit from the cast. Yes. So, do you have a favorite character? The most interesting character to me is Ellen Page's character. Okay. I'm very curious about what it means to grow up in a home where you see people have powers and you associate your father exploiting their powers with affection. I'm curious to see how that affects you. As far as my favorite character, the most entertaining for me was number four, Klaus, because he seems like the one who gets it the most. He's like, this is messed up. Mm -hmm. We're all damaged, broken people. I'm going to have a drink. Y'all go have fun spreading my daddy's ashes. Mm. So he was the funniest to me and the most, I would argue, self-aware. I would say my favorite is number five, the time traveling child. Mm. Because he has lived so much longer than the others, he's very mature, even though he looks like a kid. And what we find out, so this tells you about the plot for the, at least this first season, I don't know how long it'll take for this to become relevant. He knows that there's an apocalypse in the future, that everything gets wiped out. And so I think him knowing of this tragic future slash being decades wiser than his own siblings, but looking like a kid who's just like, I want some coffee. Yeah. I find that very entertaining. So he is both my favorite character and the one I think is most interesting. That is super interesting, actually. I didn't think about that. How long do you think it will take for this show to get to the apocalypse in the future? Do you think we'll see it in one season or do you think it's just going to be something we're always talking about for like three, four seasons? I hope that they do it by the end of this season. Mm -hmm. But then again, what's the sustainability of the show if we get to that big thing by the end of the season? True. And I think they have different options here. I don't know how the comic book story is set up, but they could strictly follow that and that might set the pace for when they have to address it. Or they could do like another show I really like, The Magicians on Sci-Fi which is based off of a book series, but they've now gotten to the point where they've picked out all the plot lines they liked and are doing more original storylines. So if this show is successful enough, they could wrap up whatever happened in the comics and then move on to their own stories. That could be cool. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right, Beach. are you ready to rate Umbrella Academy? The Umbrella Academy. The Umbrella Academy, like the Ohio State? Yes. I would rate The Umbrella Academy, would watch again casually. How do you watch a streaming show casually? I'm not going to binge it. Oh, okay. So you would watch the rest of those shows in order, but you're not going to stay up all night and finish it. Yeah. I'm not in a hurry to find out what happens next, but I do want to know. Got it. So I might pace it out as if it was a weekly show because that'll work better for me. And then I won't burn out, especially because this is like a 45 to 60 minute show. I think they're advertising it as. That's a long time. Not to include another show in my rating. But that's what I loved about Russian Doll. It was compelling. It hooked me. And it was 30 minute episodes. Great format. I think streaming shows are kind of abusing that no commercial thing. And they're doing full 45 minute to hour long programs. And it's a little aggressive. Actually, the best streaming show format was Marching Orders. That was like, what, 15 minute episodes? Talk about it. 15 minute episodes. That's a show for our listeners. You can check out our review of Marching Orders. But as a quick 
quick spoiler, we finished that show that weekend. I think both of us did. That was bingeable. But I agree with your rating. I would recommend watching it seriously. I would recommend finishing the show. It is super interesting. And for me, it hooked me. I want to see how everyone turns out, especially because Ellen Page is really just being a queen right now on social media. But I agree that the show is long. So I wouldn't say it was so interesting that I personally would recommend spending an entire weekend finishing it. Right. You're not going to finish it today. No. Or at least we wouldn't recommend you finish it today. Unless you really, really are into it or you're just that bored. Well, if you want to find out other recommendations that we have for Netflix and other networks, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. And you can send thoughts, feelings, your dream superpowers, meal prep recipes to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on wildfireradio.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.